Excuse me, but are you loving this podcast? If you are, you can support the show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. All you have to do is hit the link in the show description to support now. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort. So you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Excuse me, I have something to say. Hello and welcome to Excuse Me, I Have Something to Say, the podcast where we have real and open conversations about life and everything she throws at us. I'm your host, Sean Philip Naylor, and if you're tuning in for the first time, don't forget to click on that subscribe button so you don't have to miss out on any new episodes as they're released every fortnight. You can also join in on the conversation by heading over to the podcast's official Instagram account, hitting that follow button and sliding right on into our DMs. Or you could surf your way over to the official website, excuse me, I have something to say.com, where you can subscribe to the newsletter so that you will never miss out on a thing. Now, before we get started, I just wanted to say a really big thank you to all of our returning listeners. I really appreciate you choosing to spend your precious time here with me. And to all of our new listeners, hello and welcome to the family. Pull up a seat, get comfy because we're about to get all nostalgic up in here. On today's episode, I'm joined by my fiance, Benny. We sat down recently to reminisce about those old movies and shows that influenced our childhoods and that still have meaning today. Join us as we take a closer look at those nostalgia-inducing pop culture classics of yesteryear. So, babe, it's taken me a little while to get you to actually be on the podcast, and I'm really happy that you finally are. How are you feeling about it all now? Well, I'm not going to lie. I'm shitting myself a little bit for a couple of reasons. Number one, do I like the sound of my own voice? I'm not really sure. Normally, public speaking is not a problem for me, but this is a little bit different because I am so in awe of what you're doing with this podcast and I'm really proud of what you do and I just don't want to fuck it up. You won't fuck it up, baby, and I thank you. That's lovely words. Now, enough about you. More about me. No. What else is new? (laughs) You told me that you love nostalgia and that was something that made me want to delve into this particular episode as a topic for us, but... What is it about the feeling of nostalgia that you like so much? I think it's the feeling of remembering things from from yesteryear. And when you talk about stuff like that, you remember times in your life and you go back and go... And and I think when you look back, sometimes you look at the negative parts of your life 
sometimes look at the positive parts but nostalgia you go yeah it feels good i like it it's not always about a tv show it's not all it's sometimes it's about a music it's about or music. a smell or smell a is smell. really good oh, for nostalgia definitely definitely you, I Brings, remember you telling me how much you loved taking about take, taking a walk at a particular time of the evening because uh, those smells brought back memories for you from when you were younger. That's true. One of my first jobs, in fact, my very first job was selling lollies door to door. And I was about 13 and nine months. And we'd often do it in the evening and you'd walk around knocking on people's doors saying, would you like to buy some lollies? <laughs> Interrupting people's evening, but you'd always have all of these different smells. And it made me hungry all the time. But uh, yeah, smells are a very important part of nostalgia, definitely. Definitely. So this particular episode is about pop culture and nostalgia. What is it that makes something worthy of that pop culture reference? Well, I guess it has to be popular, obviously. But to what end? See, you could look at it from like a marketing perspective and something, I guess, pop culture in 2020 and a little bit before that is somewhat of a marketing scheme. Yeah. Because you look at merchandise, you look at everything that goes along with every TV show. Like, I guess it's about money and making things more, giving people something that's tangible, that they can have, that is, you know, it's a it's a memory of a show or it's a memory of a thing. Like, you, just a few weeks ago, my sister ordered show bags because um, they couldn't go to the Eka in Brisbane. And so she ordered show bags for her son and herself. And she ordered herself a friend's show bag. And that's, of course, going to be fueled by nostalgia. And it's about having that something tangible. But when you look at pop culture, historically, it's less about marketing. And yeah, but it's how it makes people feel. Well, that's the nostalgia aspect mm. of pop culture. Yeah, definitely. So I want to know what are the top three culture classics from your childhood that hold a special place in your story, your life? It's a difficult question. And we spoke about this earlier today. We did. And I'm not sure that I've actually got a proper answer, but I will tell you this. Those who know me know that I'm a, uh, a bit of a mad Star Wars fan. Those who know me even better know that I'm more of a Star Trek fan more than a Star Wars fan. Still haven't got a Star Trek tattoo yet. I do have a Star Wars tattoo. You're <laughs> right. So, and can I just go on record by saying that I have a Boba Fett tattoo before the Mandalorian was cool. Thank oh. you so much. But uh, my number one would be Star Trek. And uh, it was a period of my life when I was about 17 or 18. And I was on holidays and um, from school... And I went down to the local video shop and I'd seen all the new releases. Do I have to define what a video shop is? Do people still remember? Um, maybe for the millennials. I'm a millennial, but I'm an elder. Well, this millennial. is true. So I'd go down there and I'd seen all the new releases and I went, oh, what's this thing? This is a Star Trek thing. Oh, okay, I'll get that. And it looked terrible. It looked shit ass. <laughs> but I hired one and then I watched it and I started to connect with it. And then I watched another one. And then after that, I had to go to another video store because they didn't have all the series. Babe, what made you connect with it? I think it's got a really moral... Um, something about each episode has a moral message. And it's it's all good. It's all good and it's all warm and it's all wholesome. funny. Wholesome. Yes, it's definitely wholesome. But also there's uh, things to learn along the way. I do have flashback memories of me being like five, six years old, going to visit one of my great auntie's house. And there was this guy who was a, a cousin of mine and he was watching this. And I'm like, ooh, this is cool. So when I started to watch it, I remember the original series. 
So yes, that's what I like about it is the moral, it's got a good moral compass and it's very successful and always has been. So, and then they had offshoots and bits and pieces and as it's gone through time, it's evolved as well. So I like that about it. So it makes me feel good. And when I'm not feeling the best, I can just put on an episode of old Star Trek and uh, watch old Jean-Luc Picard or Worf, who's my favourite character. Um, yeah, and it's great. And there's been so many spin-offs and movies, and they're even still making them. Like, there have just been two new series come out in the last two years. Um, so that's number one. So number one of your top three influential pop culture TV shows or movies is Star Trek, and that's definitely something that I was surprised at when I met you. You were very Star Wars, and then you were like, no, 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 Star Trek is is my jam. And I was like, "Mm, okay, I didn't realize this. But if Star Trek is your number one, what's your number two? Well, obviously, it's Star Wars. It, it, It came out in 1977 when I was... Oh, that's a good vintage. Well, it is. That's the year I was born, but obviously I didn't know about Star Wars at that point. I do have a very vivid memory of going to a cinema with my mother and seeing a movie. And if I think back about the timeline, it would have been about... I must have been three years old. It was about 1980, and it was The Empire Strikes Back. You were three, and you went to see The Empire Strikes Back. Yeah, Mum was pretty cool. But um, Damn, Carol. Yep. It's just evolved and evolved and evolved. And then, you know, we were really starving for Star Wars content throughout our teen years because, you know, nowadays you've got... Everything. Everything. Netflix. You can go into Coles and buy a Star Wars figurine. Back then, there was nothing. There were no T-shirts. There were very few bits and pieces that you could do. So, anyway... Long story short, I love the transition of Star Wars. It's also been 43 years, because that's... A lady never gives away her age. Oh, sorry. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so... hmm. And what about the elusive number three that's been eluding you all day? I just cannot put it down to uh, one thing. Tell me, um, there's a a TV show that was well, well before its time, and it was called The Sopranos. Yes. And it was one of those shows that was really a pioneer in that uh, particular genre, but also the format. And although I've only ever seen the whole series once, I do want to go back and revisit it. It was incredible. You've been saying this, and of course, during the current pandemic, which is still going on, you were like, I'm going to go into, if if I get stood down from work, I'm going to go into isolation. I'm going to watch Sopranos from the beginning. And I was like, yeah, I like the Sopranos. I'll do that with you. But that never came to fruition, mainly because... I guess we keep ourselves quite busy throughout the day. Yes. And uh, <laughs> I'm about to go back to work, so you could probably watch The Sopranos. In, like, can you do all of The Sopranos in a week? Yeah, look, I'll give it a hot go. I'll definitely give, give it a it hot, hot go. go. Yeah, we'll yeah. definitely. So for you, your top three pop culture classics from your childhood that hold special places in your story are Star Trek, Star Wars. But then... Sopranos isn't from your childhood. You were older. You would have been... No, I was an adult. You would have been in your 20s when Sopranos came out, right? And to be fair, Star Trek and Star Wars was in my... When I was an adult as well. Because they had such longevity, they kept reinventing it and making new series and it would just continue. Uh, My next, I guess, point in this conversation is that between you and I, there is eight years difference in terms of age, making both you and I of different generations. Mm-hmm. When I was coming of age, I was watching shows that were, you know, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Charmed, Sex and the City, shows that were driven by strong female leads. Now, as a person, I've always, ever since I was a kid, I've always been drawn to a strong female archetype. And I personally believe that that has had an influence on me and my relationships with women 
and the type of people that I choose to have in my life. How do you think the shows and movies that you gravitated towards when you were younger shaped your life? I didn't really watch a lot of television when I was uh, a teenager. I was too busy working, I was too busy out doing stuff. But I do remember very vividly sitting on my grandmother's carpet watching her giant TV, which by today's standards was quite small. And there were always... Was it in colour? How, how far back are we going in? Well, I did have a black and white TV when I was a child. Look, I was born in 85 and I still had a black and white TV in my bedroom when I was a child. And I very nearly killed myself with it because it didn't have a proper antenna. And it was in my bedroom and it had a old coat hanger in it. And I was fucking jamming that shit in and all the power went out to the house and my mm. parents really got mad at me. Um, so yeah, look, I'm old too. Well, I'm not old, but thank you for telling me that you are you're older than me babe yeah okay it's a hard question because i I think i have two lives i had the life that i had before i came out as a gay man and the life that i had afterwards okay yeah because yeah i'm deep because there was especially in my teen years there were certain tv shows or movies that i would not watch with other people because there was a very slight queer sexual there was, yeah, there was. Right. Which was problematic for me because as a man who came out when he was 37 years old, I couldn't watch those shows. I didn't feel comfortable watching those shows. I couldn't even wear a pink T-shirt. Why Why did you not feel comfortable about watching those kind of shows that may have had those gay undertones? Because uh, I didn't want people to find out that I was a homosexual. And it's different talking about it now, years later. Yeah. But yeah, I just couldn't do it. For instance, classic example, Breakback Mountain. Could never watch it. Watched it years and years later in the privacy of my own bedroom because I just couldn't do it with anybody else. Right. What about another popular one would be, oh, I cannot remember what it's called, River Phoenix and Keanu Reeves. Something about, was it something about Idaho? Uh, my Private Idaho. Yes. Never saw it. Really? No, I don't wow. think I did. I remember when you and I first started dating each other and we had this whole thing where I was like, and this this does directly relate back to, to pop culture, something that's big in pop culture and um, I remember sitting there going to you excuse me I'm sorry you've never watched Will and Grace nope nope and at that point you hadn't and I was like well I'm sorry but this is going to be part of your education Hmm. it's very important for you to watch this show because this show at the time there was nothing quite like it and ironically when you really look back in terms of history you look at the media and other shows there were shows that were somewhat similar in the past where you know you look at ellen's coming out episode that she did and it completely derailed her career for a little while there but will and grace i think was a show where there was it was the first time there was an open gay man openly gay man sorry who wasn't the i guess the stereotypical television archetype of what a gay man should be you know like the um over the top flamboyant kind of thing and they did keep that that spectrum in will and grace with jack uh, to a degree and so mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for mother's day than whole foods market they're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts start by saving 33 with prime on all body care and candles then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just 9.99 each with prime round out mom's menu with festive rosé irresistible berry chantilly cake and more special treats come celebrate mother's day at whole foods market Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort. 
so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. For me, Will and Grace, like I honestly wouldn't even have, I knew it was a show, I had no idea what it was about, didn't even know it had some gay reference in it, that it was a queer show at all. It was just a Will and Grace show, so I really didn't know about it. And then when I met you, you started talking about it. I'm like, oh, yeah, it sounds interesting. And then we started watching it, and now it's beautiful. It was also a show that really sort of normalised homosexuality. I'm quite surprised that it lasted as long as it did. I mean, how many, was it seven or eight seasons before? I think they did I think they did eight yeah. on the original run, and then, of course, they've come back and done a few more. But Interesting fact about that show, that one of the main characters, uh, Jack. Sean Hayes. Sean Hayes was uh, a closeted homosexual during the whole show. He was. The entire run mm. of Will and Grace, he was in the closet. Which... And he played a great homo. He was great. <laughs> he did play a good homo. And it's funny because one of the things that he as an actor said later on when they were, you know, after the show had finished, he regrets not coming out while he was on the show. I think at the same time, you can't force a coming out. It needs to happen when it happens. That's true. Um, while we're just on the, the subject of LGBTQI plus rainbow family, wonderful unicorns that we all are, mm. how do you, babe, feel about the representation of the queer community within pop culture? I think recently I, I, I kind of have a bit of a mixed feeling about it. First of all, you cannot watch anything on TV these days without a queer character in it. There's a lot out there. I think a lot of it's done really, really well. And I'm really, really proud to watch any show that has any sort of inclusion in it. You brought up a point today Mm. about Friends. I think it was up until season six or seven, they hadn't had an African-American person of color as a prominent person on the show. And when they eventually did it, it was sort of, it was almost like they just sort of dipped their toe in a little bit because they used the lovely... Gabrielle Union then after her it was Aisha Taylor and when you think that Friends ran from 93 to about 2003 that's insane that it was a predominantly white cast and they were doing great things and they were making great TV but it's just insane that it would go for that long without being as inclusive as it could and then now in all these years later when the the you know new generations of millennials and and what's whoever are watching it back they're finding it quite offensive with some of the things that happen in terms of you know like Chandler's dad was trans but that wasn't addressed appropriately In fact you... now we're talking about the the trans angle of that I hadn't even considered Chandler's father at that point I guess coming back to the original question is how do I feel about the inclusion of so much queer content now i almost feel sometimes that it's just thrown in there because it needs to be thrown in there like there's a lot of it you can't watch a show without it being in there and sometimes a little bit disingenuous it's almost like let's just throw in the token queer person i think it's uh, obviously it's a matter of inclusion so you're looking to include all the demographics so that they can watch something and feel that there's somebody within that show or movie that they can relate to but where i sort of get a little uncomfortable is when it's not historically correct Mm. so you know if you're watching something and they put in a queer person or a person of colour and it doesn't really fit with the actual narrative of that time in history. Then it's just a token person put in there, right? And that in itself, to me, 
as a queer person is offensive. It's offensive, yeah. I work with a lot of young people and I also have two teenage children, 19 and 17, who Sean is a great, great step-parent for, by the way. Thank you, Pat. We, at work, or even with my kids, we talk about queer issues and it's it's nothing for them. Like back when I was a kid, if you have any queer conversations when, when I was younger, it was it was really strange and really weird. But these days with these kids, it's nothing. Yeah, gays, nothing. Trans people, nothing. It's not even a it's not even a subject that they feel uncomfortable. It's just part of their culture, and I think that's probably because there's so much queer content in everything that we watch now because it's just the norm. And um, you know, if I was a young person now, if I was a teenager, and there's that much queer content queer content out there, I'd be super happy because that tells those kids that it's okay to be who you are and yourself without judgment because it's now become part of the narrative of life. I collect merchandise mm-hmm. and so do you. So let's talk about the nostalgia that you feel through merchandise. All right. So I've got a lot of merch that I bought, started buying when I was a teenager. And let me just say this, that the merch was not around then. I think I mentioned that earlier. It was harder to get. Yeah. We had to go to obscure places to buy it. There was none. Online shopping wasn't a thing. So I collected bits and pieces and a lot of that stuff, it became like a drug for me. I'm like, oh, there's a Star Trek clock. I need that. Or there's a figurine that I never had. Yeah. (laughs) And so a lot of that stuff sits in boxes in the garage, properly sealed boxes, you know, to make sure that they're preserved. And I haven't bought a lot of it out for many, many years. There are some prominent pieces that I put out throughout the house and stuff. But when I look at them, that reminds me of, I guess it's kind of like, that's a part of me, especially with with Star Trek. I mean, I, I, I just, there was a point, there was a point where, I got so deep into a Star Trek hole. I was buying books and I was buying encyclopedias. Did you learn Klingon? My sister taught herself Klingon. And that wasn't because she was obsessed with Star Trek. She just got really addicted to a game on the PC back in like 1999. Yeah. um, I didn't learn Klingon, but I know some words. Recently, my son showed me some photos. He went to a mate's house and his mate's dad had a whole room full of... Jealousy. Yeah, there was stuff. There was Star Wars. (laughs) There was Star Trek. There was all sorts of shit. And I'm sitting there going, wow, you can really collect, right? But I get it, right? It becomes an addiction, all right? You buy something and go, yes, and I'll buy the next one. For instance, I can't wait till the little baby Yoda comes out because I want that shit in my house right away. I, I, I completely understand the whole thing that becomes an addiction. I am a Disney fanatic, a Disney file, they call us, which I'm not comfortable with that terminology. <laughs> But um, I grew up, Kim and I, my sister and I, we both grew up on Disney. Our parents set us in front of Disney. We weren't rich enough to have the Disney Channel. And so when we would go to like my grandma Bailey's house, she would have recorded from the Disney Channel Beauty and the Beast and things. And we'd be able to watch it there. And it was, it was awesome. But when Wreck-It Ralph had sort of redesigned all the Disney princesses, you were witness to this. I became weird and I was like, yep, I'm going to need to collect all of these little rock candy princesses in their pajamas. Yes. Fucking amazing. It was like crack to me for a while. I got addicted to that shit. Yes, and I had to hold your hand throughout the whole thing and get you through it, I remember. Yep, I remember even your kids brought me Christmas presents of that shit. Like That's because they were concerned for your safety. <laughs> if you didn't get your hit, you would turn into a monster. A big difference between us, and we talked earlier about you know the eight years and the generation between us, is that you were a very Disney kid. Yeah. To me, Disney was 
it was not part of my life as a child because it was pre when they brought out really cool Disney movies like Toy Story. Animation took a change when Pixar came into it. And before that, it was Disney and it was sort of like, you know, the Pocahontas and the Lion King and the Little Mermaid where it was like this yeah. kind of classic Disney. I had a friend and we were in high school, probably about 15 years old, and he loved the Lion King. I mean, that shit's awesome. We were just in there going, what are you talking about? This is a cartoon. These are for children. Um, yes, Disney was different for you than it was for me. It was. So with all the merch, I have a lot of stuff there. And one day... One day, I'll probably line them all up and sell them. Who knows? Okay, so merchandise obviously has, has a whole impact here on nostalgia. But there's one thing that you, you said um, to me earlier today, and I wasn't aware of this fact, and it was to do with merchandise and George Lucas. And I felt feel like he might have been part of the Simpsons crew where he can see the future. Mm, possibly. So we talked about why I love Star Trek, because it's so moral and it's got, you know, stories and bits and pieces, but we didn't actually talk about why I love Star Wars so much. Why do you love Star Wars so much, babe? Well, I'm so glad you asked. Thank oh, you. You're welcome. There's a story, and it's all about certain things like, you know, there was nobody in Hollywood that could make the movie that George Lucas wanted to make. He had to literally invent his own company called Industrial Light and Magic. One of the things, was because, you know, he'd already had some success with American Graffiti, Never seen it. So, I have it on DVD, babe. We'll watch it tomorrow night. Okay. So he'd had some success with that, but then there were people that were like, well, you want to watch, make this movie about, it's like a space western? No one's going to do this. So all the studios sort of rejected it, and I believe it was Fox Studios. Don't fact check me on that, but he struck a deal where it was going to be very expensive to make, and he said, look, you know what? I will not take a director's fee. Um, you can make the movie and no director's fee for me, but what I will do is I'll take a percentage of the merchandise that was sold. And merchandise back then wasn't a big thing. I think that maybe the Star Wars stuff was the beginning of a lot of big merch. So that was quite clever. But there's a lot of story about Star Wars about about that that I, that I enjoy, about all those things that, and those those hurdles that they had to get over to make the film. And what a risk it would have been, you know, and then and guess what? Eventually it turned out to be quite good. While we're just talking on, on Star Wars, Star Wars has obviously had a large influence or impact on your life. It started the year that you were born and then in the latest Star Wars movie they had the um, the festival that happens every 42 years and that was the release of that new movie, which was quite a nice touch. How do you think the movies and shows that you grew up with loving have impacted or influenced your kids? Well, first of all, they want nothing to do with Star Trek. And I tried, but when they were young kids, I'm like, well, what are they interested in? And because there were movies coming out when they were younger, there was a lot of merchandise that was coming out, so it was easier to try and get them on that bandwagon than it was Star Trek. My kids really enjoy Star Wars. Probably not as much as me, but they definitely come to every premiere with us. They do. And they definitely play the games. And what's really interesting about that is that they're re-watching movies. So as a new movie comes out, they go back and re-watch the other ones. This is what I love. I, I love that we'll be at home one night and you and I will be having a glass of wine and cooking dinner or something and your phone might ring. And this doesn't happen all that often. It sounds like I'm saying it happens all the time. It doesn't. But your phone might ring and it'll be one of the kids and they'll be like, hey, Dad, I just watched Star Wars episode what whatever and i've just seen this and i didn't realize this and then you get excited yeah because for me the magic of star wars is i can watch let's just pick any of the movies let's just pick the original one i can watch that i've probably watched it a hundred times but every time i watch it there's something new in it for me 
whether I'd forgotten about it or whether I'd never picked up on it before, there's always something new. And now my kids are going through that as well. And it's it, that's the part of Star Wars and that nostalgia just makes me tingly. I love it. Now, before I move away from Star Wars, there was one thing that you said to me when we were out for our walk today was that you wanted to go on record about the last Star Wars movie, The Rise of Skywalker. Now's your opportunity, babe. Okay, so I'm going to have a rant, and it could go for 25 minutes, but I'm going to keep it short and sweet. They wrapped it up the best that they could. They wrapped up a trilogy. They wrapped up a saga. They put a lot of stuff in there. They had to go into damage control because the previous movie before that was, let's face it, a little bit strange. And I had to watch the movie three times before I actually made peace with it, and I had to make peace. I'm still skeptical. I even watched it on May the 4th last week. Yes, you did. And I'm still sitting there going, oh, it's a bit shit. But I've had to make peace with it. There are a lot of people out there that are just so critical. There are a lot of fans, particularly with the new Star Trek series as well, because there's two new series and everyone's so critical. And I'm like, just accept it, guys. But is it canon? Well, let's not even talk about what's canon and what's not, because that's just rubbish. But I'm going on record right now. I thought it was great. So, babe, I have one final question for you before we wrap this one up. I'm ready. Are you ever going to buy me the one-sixth scale, almost identical to lifelike figure of Lauren Cohen as Maggie from The Walking Dead? Never. Never. Your fascination with that girl is too much. So that's a wrap on yet another episode. If you want to join in the conversation, share with me some of the ways in which pop culture has influenced your life over the years or send me feedback or suggestions for future conversations, you can do so over on the official website, excusemeihavesomethingtosay.com. Or alternatively, send me a DM over on Instagram at excusemeihavesomethingtosay. Please don't forget to rate, review, like and share the show on your socials. Let's keep these conversations going. But for now, thank you, Benny, for finally guesting on here with me. I really appreciate it. And thank you again to you, the listeners. See you next time. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.